0: My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Jim. Welcome to Our Sunday School. If you got your handout, uh, go ahead and grab your handout. Uh, the front uh, is page 5, the Talking About the Bible page. So grab that one and we'll jump right in. A quick review of the last couple of weeks. So this this series is about how we talk about the Bible and the approach that we take. And sometimes it's a biblical approach and sometimes it's not a biblical approach. So we're trying to find some Bible texts and passages that uh, indicate to us what a biblical approach might be. So a couple of assumptions Uh, All believers talk about the Bible, whether informally or formally. Uh, Believers don't always follow a very Bible-informed process. Hi, my name is Jim. I am guilty of this. Um, And in our current age of outrage, I think we can do better. Um, And if you don't think that we can do better, just open up Facebook and scroll, and I would say it'll take you about 20 seconds, maybe, to come to the conclusion. I think we can probably do better. So a couple of objectives that I wanted to have uh, as we go through this series. So we want to be prepared. Uh, We talked about Titus chapter 2 and actually being prepared for old age. So if if we're going to get older, how do we do life now? How do we go through a process now so that we're going to be prepared for uh, what the expectations are of older believers? We want to be faithful. Uh, We hear it said all the time that we are to be faithful with our time, our talents, and our treasures. But we also want to be faithful with the scripture that we've been entrusted. And then we want to be engaging and engage heads, hearts, and hands, uh, the whole person for uh, the work that God has called us to do. So a few assertions, things that uh, are true. God tells us uh, what the Bible is. Uh, it is his authoritative, inerrant, clear, necessary, and sufficient word. Uh, God tells us what the Bible gives. It gives us all things for life and godliness. And God tells us the resources that he provides to us to help believers. Uh, he's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us his word. And then also, he's given us the church to come alongside and to assist in this process. Uh, And as we go through this series, I want us to keep in mind that I'm trying to develop this process so that it can be used with a four-year-old who asks you who Jesus is, all the way up to somebody who is familiar with the Scripture at your workplace and asks you a question about the Bible, and they've obviously, this is not the first time this has crossed their mind. So scale these things up and down as needed as the situation uh, dictates. So where we're going with this series, uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about the first step in the process of praying, uh, that, that this concept, this idea that it's okay to stop and to pray before we begin a conversation about the Bible. Uh, it's also okay to hear the words of the Scriptures themselves. Many times, and I've said this a couple times already, many times I've had conversations with people who simply had a misunderstanding of what the text actually said. So go to the text, hear the words of the text, and walk through. And then today we're going to talk about the think component. So this is meditation, thinking through something. Uh, We'll look at some Bible verses today about that. Uh, Next week, Lord willing, we'll look at the talk. Uh, This is referencing other believers, whether they're dead or alive. Uh, and then the actual sharing the conversation with the person, uh, answering the questions, and engaging in dialogue, uh, Lord willing, the last week of the year. And I have a couple of things up my sleeve for the last Sunday of the year. So as is usual, you might not want to miss, especially that date, so December 16th, mark it down. Uh, So let's do a quick review of process step number one, uh, prayer. Uh, For each one of the process steps, I've tried to look at it from an approach of what are our attitudes that we can bring and then what are some actions that we can do as well. So our attitudes as we come before uh, the concept of opening up God's word and talking about God's word is there's a certain level of fear involved with this is God's holy word. Let's make sure we approach this with a certain amount of fear, uh, but also a degree of dependence. We looked at Second Chronicles chapter 20, uh, it's one of my favorite passages of the scripture where... Uh, the Israelites are stuck. They're not sure what to do. And there's a prayer that's prayed and it says, Neither know we what to do, Lord, but our eyes are upon thee. Uh, and it's a, this beautiful act of dependence upon the Lord for what he is about to say. Uh, and then this expectation, this, this attitude of expectancy, that when we open up the Scripture, God speaks. Uh, and we don't have to worry about a, having a silent God. Uh, you read through the Old Testament and you see these false idols uh, all throughout the Old Testament. And one of the reasons that you can, one of the ways you can spot a false idol is it doesn't talk back, right? Our God speaks, and He speaks wonderful things. Uh, so we can, we can depend on that. So some actions that we can have in this prayer step. Pray for illumination. Uh, were it not for the illumination of the Holy Spirit, we would live in darkness. Uh, pray for wisdom. Uh, James talks about if you desire wisdom, ask, and God will give it. And then pray for hearing of the hearers. It's okay to stop and pray for the person who you are about to engage in dialogue with. That's a good and healthy right thing. So let's practice process step number one. So take a moment and ensure that we have an attitude of fear, dependence, and expectancy about the text. Uh, John 18, 1 through 11. We'll get to that toward the end of the lesson today. So take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate this week's text and ask for wisdom and pray for the hearing of the other believers in this room. So I'll give us a second to to do that. So process step number two is hearing, and I think I put it on your handout. What it is not, I'm not talking about reading at this point. Reading is a good and right thing. It is a good, healthy part of understanding the Scripture, but over and over and over, uh, dozens of times, in fact, in the Scripture, the Scripture tells us to hear what the Lord has to say. So what is hearing? Hearing is hearing the Bible being read out loud. Um, You've probably heard the joke, if you want to hear God speak, Read the Bible. And if you want to hear the hear God speak audibly, read the Bible out loud. Right? This is this is how God speaks. He has spoken through his word. A couple of attitudes here uh, from Nehemiah chapter 8, uh, respect and deference. When we read Nehemiah 8 last week, uh, Nehemiah opened the word, the people stood and they they repented and they mourned. There was a, a deference to whatever the scripture said. From their lives, which is not always the position that I have found my heart in when the scripture is open. Sometimes it's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I got to put this thing up so I can listen. And it's a hurried and a rushed process. So, what do we do with this? Well, we should read the Bible out loud to others. That's okay. And we should hear the Bible being read uh, out loud. So, uh, let's take a moment to do this. I'm going to go to John 18, and I'm going to read John 18, verses uh, 1 through 11. It's our text that we selected a few weeks ago. So you feel free to read along or you feel free just to listen. um, Because this step is about hearing. So I want to be very careful how I say this. Don't let the printed page in front of you be a distraction to hearing God's word. Does this make sense? You hear what I'm not saying? I'm not saying don't read the Bible. Absolutely not saying don't read the Bible. I'm saying don't let that be a distraction to you. So, John chapter 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon them, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke, of those whom you gave me I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword in the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Sometimes it's nice just to hear the word of the Lord. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So let's move to process step number three. That's on the back side of your handout. So let the record show that in 10 minutes I covered a full page of a handout. (laughs) This is almost never done in this class. (laughs) Let the record show also that we will spend the next 32 on the second page of the handout. So there's that. So process step number three. This is thinking uh, so let's just ask a question: Why should we think about God's word? Why is that important? Uh, so let's go to one Corinthians thirteen eleven. One Corinthians thirteen eleven. All right, who's got it with a loud voice, David Bendy? So the scripture there tells us that there's a way to speak as a child, that there's a way to understand as a child, and there's a way to think as a child. And most of the time, this comes to our awareness when we work with somebody who acts like this, right? Or when we live with somebody who acts like this, or when we are somebody who is this, right? Which, hi, my name's Jim. So there's a childish way of thinking, and it doesn't make sense that we would think as adults like children. Certainly not about God's Word. So this is one thing that I want to actively avoid as we go through this thought process of thinking about thinking about God's Word, which is metacognition for those of you that are education gurus. Yay. All right, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. So does God think like us? No. And this is, this is really, really spectacularly good news, right? Like we don't want a God that thinks just like us. Well, then we're God, right? Then I've just, we've just made ourselves the highest point in the universe. Now, God thinks of us, yes, a lot. But He doesn't think like us. So if God thinks differently than we think, and there is a childish way to think, I would bet a nickel, I don't bet more than a nickel, I've made this promise to my wife, that God's thoughts are not childish thoughts. Would we be good with agreeing with that? God's thoughts are not childish thoughts? This feels kind of obvious, right Luke? Yeah, okay, good. Alright, let's look at Romans 5, 8.5. Some of you can kind of tell where I'm going with this, so. Right. So what are some things that we could think about according to the flesh? Like in the month of December, what could you think about in the flesh as a citizen of the United States of America? Money? What you want? Christmas? What you want for Christmas, right? Presents, yes. What's that? Time off from work, sure. Being with family, yeah. Travel, yeah. Not being with family. I thought that was funny, but okay, I guess not. <laughs> Y'all got all serious on me all of a sudden. Like, I'm joking still, sorry. Yeah. Oh, that hit close to home, yeah, that was funny. I see what you did there. Um, do we ever get overwhelmed with all the stuff that's happening around us? You ever get overwhelmed? I get overwhelmed sometimes. And usually when I find myself getting overwhelmed, it's because I'm thinking about and focusing on the stuff that's not talked about in Romans 8.5. Yes, we have to deal with earthly things, right? We have to eat. We have to have shelter. We have to take care of our children. We have to do certain things. Um, but Romans 8.5 says, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. There's nothing hurried about that. There's nothing rushed about that. There's nothing fast or quick or expedient about that. There is a slowness to this. One of the things that I am trying to do as I teach this lesson is to literally slow down the speed with which I am talking and the gaps between the sentences... so that we slow this process down just a bit because we go way too fast way too often right Jules sorry that was mean wasn't it seriously i thought you'd get the joke you'll get this later and then you'll be angry it's okay all right <laughs> it it was wrong <laughs> And I don't know how to edit that out of the video, so we've got it in there now. So, there we go. All right, so let's look at some attitudes uh, and some actions. We'll first look at some attitudes about thinking. Um, So, let's go to Psalm 119. We'll be there for a minute. Psalm 119, we'll start with verse 15. And if you wanted a, a theme psalm... For this whole series, Psalm 119 would be a good one to kind of take a stab at. Uh, It really has quite a bit of the the steps in this process in it, multiple times even. All right, Psalm 119, verse 15. Who's got it? Awesome. Are there any words that are capitalized in that verse? Where's the word my? Your translation doesn't have the word my in it? Okay. So whose whose precepts and ways are we meditating on? God's, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's look at uh, Psalm 119, verse 27. Yeah, so not our ways or words or precepts or works, but His ways and precepts and words and works. So the first attitude here, I think a a good summary of this might be humility. There's an element of, it's not me, right? I am lower, and we're going to meditate on someone higher's thoughts and precepts and ways. So as we think about the Bible, there's a humbleness, a humility here. So Psalm 119, verse 48. I love this verse. I don't know how many times you've read through the Bible or read through the Psalms, but it never ceases to amaze me when one, quote unquote, jumps off the page and you go, I don't remember reading that before. And I, as a child, I had to memorize Psalm 119. And it like I I just don't remember this verse before. It's a fantastic verse. So who's got verse forty-eight? So let's let's practice this for just a second, okay? So my hands I will also lift up to your commandments. It's okay, you can do it. My hands I will also lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. When do we raise our hands? Say it again. We're trying to catch something. Good. There's an element of surrender, right? The FBI. Sure, that's great.
1: Luke, you
0: got a fist bump for that one. That was awesome. When you're praising God uh, or when the FBI is after you. That's just fantastic. It is surrender and humility, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's right. There's a little bit of fear in there too, right? Yeah. Most of you have heard me tell this story before, so I won't tell the whole thing. But until you've had a member of law enforcement draw down on you, it's really hard to mentally put yourself in that space. Um, so if you haven't heard me tell that story again, I'll, I'll tell you after church this morning, but, um, it's not a pleasant story. It's not a lot of fun. The, um, but my hands also, I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. When, have you ever read something in the Bible and you just went,
1: whoa, like
0: what in the world where you have to walk away and like, this is too much. I, I got I, I'm, and this is where I start to struggle completing sentences sometimes in the middle of Bible study or thinking about the Scripture, and it's just I, I can't, I, I can't, I can't do any more with this. Right? And it's beautiful, and he gives us a example of how to respond to the Scripture when we have this sense of wonder. So Psalm uh, ninety-two verse five. Slide over a couple of pages. Ninety-two five. Would we agree with this? Your thoughts are very deep. If you don't think God's thoughts are very deep, read the last couple of chapters of Job, which to me continues to be one of the most humbling and like a borderline humiliating experiences I think God ever allowed somebody to go through of this waterboarding of questions that Job has no chance of answering. It's just overwhelming to the man. And he's already been through... An utterly overwhelming process. And then God shows up and overwhelms him with himself and the vastness and the depth of his knowledge and wisdom and thoughts. And I got to wonder how many of those questions Job had never even thought about before. And I don't remember the last time you were in a room with somebody and they brought up a topic and they asked a question about a topic and you'd never considered the topic before, never mind questions about the topic before. I have this happen to me regularly at work. And I'll be sitting in a room and I'm like, I will now close my mouth (laughs) and listen because I have nothing to add here. This is just too overwhelming. God's thoughts are very deep. So when we are presented with something that is overwhelming and we throw up our hands, and we are presented with something that is very deep, there's a sense of, number two, is wonder, an attitude of wonder. I'm a mathematician. And I like to figure and cipher my way into knowing with confidence that things are going to happen at a specific date and time and method and manner. I like to know. And God has yet to tell me that he's okay with my view of how things ought to work. He continues to bring things into my life, into the lives of those that I love, but I step back and I say, Wow. It's just amazing. So there's a sense of wonder here. All right, so let's make it a little tougher. Number three, let's go to Joshua 1.8. Can anybody quote this one? I'll start you off. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it. How often? Two minutes a day, day minute, day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And everybody loves to focus on the success part, right? Like, get me to the success, I'm an American. <laughs> and that simply is not the focus of the verse. It's just not. The focus of the verse is the first part. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That's the first step. And many of us wonder why our spiritual lives are unsuccessful. And it's because we've skipped the first step. Meditating in it day and night. Psalm, uh, the first Psalm, verse 2. Whose delight? Whose <clears> delight? <throat> Who's verse 1? Let's read verse 1 too. Sorry. So, the guy that's not doing stupid stuff, right? With stupid people. Right. Okay. Day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Your blank for number three here is steadfastness, S-T-E-A-D, fastness. There's an element of uh, persistence here, that it's not a, uh, yes, I started my day and I, watch me, I centered myself for the first minute on what I wanted out of the day and I got focused and now I'm ready to attack the day. I heard one of the richest women in the world a couple of weeks ago spend a spectacular amount of time talking about the value of, as soon as your eyes open up in the morning, centering yourself on exactly what you wanted to accomplish with your day. And I couldn't help but think the entire time, she's got this completely backward. No part of the day is mine, the day is not mine, the day is given. I am not mine. I am owned by another. I am told what to do. And what I am told to do is meditate in God's word day and night. So I'll push back on some of the popular business philosophies of the day because they just don't align with scripture. So be careful what you're told at work because sometimes it's just pure garbage. And believe it or not, that was the edited version of that sentence. So. All right, let's look at our actions. Action number one, what do you think we got to do? Think about God's word day and night. Yes. I, sometimes I love the bluntness of Scripture. It's just pretty straightforward, right? Psalm 63, verse 6. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Psalm 119, 148. My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. What was the thing that you did the last time that you couldn't sleep? My grandmother, uh, and I think what was the only theological thing she ever communicated to me, Told me one time uh, when you can't sleep, don't count sheep, talk to the shepherd. And I thought, I have no idea where you got that, but that's pretty good. Think about God's word day and night. If you if this is not something that you currently do, I would encourage you to start with the night. Because what you'll find is you'll find that this is a wonderfully helpful thing. And you'll find you'll want to do it more and more and more. Think about God's Word day and night. And then Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 2. Colossians 3, 2. Did you have that memorized or did you actually flip to it? Okay. I was going say, you, you read it before I got there. That was... Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Why would we do this? Because God's ways are deep, and we are not. His ways and thoughts are not our ways and thoughts. They are hard, right? So here's your blank. Think up. Think up. Now, I'll give you a caution, a significant caution, actually. I don't know if it's in your handout or not. Proverbs 23, 7. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you think about God's word on a regular basis, it permeates your day. That's what will be. Uh, One of my favorite books on Bible study, and this is, I think, a first edition, actually. Um, This is Hendricks and Hendricks living by the book. Hopefully you own a copy of this. If you don't, it's listed as the uh, resource at the bottom of the page there. Um, But on page uh, 111, he says this. "Uh, Meditation is not an exercise that you carry out for a few minutes and then check off your list. It's a mental discipline that you carry throughout your day. It's a mindset and a lifestyle in which the word courses through your mind. That's what makes biblical meditation altogether different from meditation as we know it in our society. Meditation, as popularly taught by the Eastern philosophies, tells you to empty your mind. The exact opposite of what the scriptures say. Biblical meditation means filling your mind with the truth that God has revealed. So when I say the word meditate, what I don't want you to imagine is somebody with their legs crossed and their fingers out humming. That is not what we are talking about. What we are talking about is thinking about God's Word. Because far too often, we engage in conversation and just pull from what we think we know without ever praying, without ever hearing, and without ever stopping to think. So I would caution us to put some speed bumps into our dialogue about the scriptures so as we have done each week we're going to practice so we're going to practice john 18 1 through 11 and here's what i want us to do i'm going to read the text one more time and then i'm going to give you about three minutes to just think about the text now there will be dozens and dozens of distractions in the space of three minutes For starters, you'll be wondering how long is three minutes. There'll be noises that go off. There'll be bangs and clangs. You'll hear conversations here and there. We're just going to practice thinking about the text. That's it. Okay? Everybody with me? So I'm going to read John 18, 1 through 11. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. That the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having drawn a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? So let's think about God's word. For some of you, three minutes goes by very quickly and for some of you, three minutes is an eternity. You see how easy it is to get distracted? Especially when you sit next to the door next to the nursery, right? (laughs) There will be an infinite number of things that the devil will use to distract us to keep us from thinking about God's Word. Because I promise you the devil is familiar with Proverbs 23, 7. So let's be aware of that. So next week, process step number four, talking. So we're going to talk about who do we talk to? How does that work? What are some resources that we can use? So your homework for next week is to ask the Holy Spirit for help in understanding John 18, 1 through 11, hearing John 18, 1 through 11 as many times as you can, thinking about John 18, 1 through 11 often this week, and then inviting a member or non-member. And if you want a copy of this book, I would strongly encourage you to get one. I got this copy at McKay's for $3. McKay's always has about 10 of these. I don't know why, but it's really sad. Uh, it's good for Christians, but it's sad that somebody sold them. I don't know why you'd ever sell one, but there's that. All right, so uh, if you've got your weekly updates on your table, uh, go ahead and grab that, make any updates, pray as a table. After you have finished praying as a table, you are dismissed. And Thank you for coming to Sunday School today. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.